Welcome to The Healing Catalyst. I'm your host, Dr. Avanti Kumar Singh, and I know that Ayurveda can transform your life. How? Because it transformed mine. And the best part is, it's easier than you think. Your body has exactly what it needs to heal itself. All you need to do to enhance its healing power is to start practicing healthy routines, which I can teach you. In over 20 years of practicing both Western medicine and Eastern healing traditions, the most important thing I've learned is that healing is a journey we take together. So on this podcast, I'll be demystifying Ayurveda and other integrated medicine, showing how these simple, ancient practices are the keys to unlocking a healthy modern life. We are all healing catalysts because healing starts within. It starts with you, and it starts right now. Let's get started. You're listening to The Healing Catalyst, episode number eight. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Healing Catalyst podcast. I'm really excited to share this episode with you for a couple of reasons. Well, one is that I have been getting so many messages from so many people telling me that they're really enjoying this podcast and that this community is growing and that the podcast is really helpful to you. So thank you for that. I'm really excited about that. And secondly, I'm really excited because the messages that I've been getting have been saying that I'm really providing a perspective shift, sort of another viewpoint, another way of looking at topics related to health and wellness. And so I'm really excited about this episode because I'm hoping I can do the same again with a topic that is really, really one that people ask me a lot of questions about, which is food and diet and how to use food and the diet to support health. And so today I'd like to talk about the principle of Ayurvedic eating, which is another way to look at the role of food, the role of nourishment versus consumption. These are some of the topics we'll talk about. But let's start with this idea that food is medicine. It's a concept that's really gained a lot of traction in the medical world among my peers in the last 10 years or so. And it's a really powerful concept. It's a powerful movement in this country, in the United States. And really, it's not a new concept. It's one that originated in Ayurveda. There's an Ayurvedic proverb that says that when diet is wrong, medicine is of no use. And when diet is correct, medicine is of no need. Now think about that statement for just a minute. It's really, really powerful, really simple, and really brilliant. The idea that if one has the proper diet that is in harmony with nature, you don't need medicine. And on the other hand, if you don't have a proper diet and you're not in harmony with nature, no medicine will help you. It's really a very profound and simple statement and it's really based on this idea that food is medicine. As I've discussed in previous episodes, the essence of Ayurveda is that when we live in harmony with nature, we have optimal health. And the three main ways that we can live in harmony with nature are routines, diet, and the tools of yoga. 
Now, I've already talked about routines back in episode two and the tools of yoga in episode six. I'll link those in the show notes. And today we're going to focus in on the diet. Now, the diet is how we access the bounty of nature. It's through this bounty that we connect the microcosm to the macrocosm. Because once again, we and everything in nature are made of the same five elements. And so again, the microcosm is reflected in the macrocosm. And so the bounty of nature, the food that is provided by nature, is how we can connect to the macrocosm. Because if we're eating the food, the food pharmacy and the spice medicine that is being provided by nature, we're actually connecting ourselves to nature. Again, the microcosm gets connected to the macrocosm, and therefore we're in harmony with nature using our diet. Now, before we get into the specifics of the principle of Ayurvedic eating, which is the topic of today's episode, there's one thing that I think we need to make sure we talk about, which is the perspective of Western nutrition and food versus the Ayurvedic perspective of nutrition and food. And there's a really major difference that's important to note. In Western nutrition, food is measured in very quantitative terms. You know, we talk about calories and fat and carbohydrates and proteins, minerals, vitamins. These are all numeric quantitative measurements of the composition of food, the chemistry or the biochemistry of food. And that's the Western perspective of nutrition. On the other hand, the Ayurvedic perspective of nutrition is actually very qualitative. It's about how we interact with food and how we experience food. And this is a really different way to think about food. It's about qualities, the way that food feels, the way that food tastes, and the way that food acts. So let me give you an example to illustrate this point. Let's say you really want to have something sweet. You'll say, I feel like having something sweet. You don't say, I think I need 10 grams of sugar. That's not how we talk about food because it's not how we experience food, right? We talk about an experience of the way that food tastes in this example. We want something sweet. Let me give you another example. Let's say you've had a large meal with your family and you say, you know, I really feel like this food is just kind of heavy. It's sitting in my stomach. Again, You didn't say, I ate a lot of carbohydrates and protein and fats and it's sitting in my stomach. You don't experience food in that way. You experience food in the way of saying, it's really feeling kind of heavy and kind of just sitting there. It's an experience of food. So again, that's the difference between the Ayurvedic and the Western perspectives of food. It's qualitative in Ayurveda and it's an experience of food versus very quantitative in our Western perspective, which is very much about the biochemistry and the chemistry of food. And so that actually brings to light another distinction, which is in Ayurveda, it's about nourishment, about healing with food. This idea that food is truly medicine versus the Western perspective, which is all about consumption, 
you know, how many calories, how much fat, how many proteins, how many vitamins and minerals are in our food. It changes how we look at food and how our body receives it. This is a really, really important perspective shift and one that you may not have thought about before. And it's also the basis of the principle of Ayurvedic eating. And so what exactly is the principle of Ayurvedic eating? The principle of Ayurvedic eating is this. It's that what you eat matters, but why, where, when, and how much matters so much more. Let me say that again. What you eat matters, but why, where, when, and how much matters much more. So let's talk about this, and we're going to break it down and talk about each of these factors one by one so that we can translate this into Ayurveda for everyone. So let's start with the why. In Ayurveda, the why we eat is really the most important factor in our relationship to food because it determines how food is received by our system. It's the idea that when we begin to see food as more than just eating, that it's actually something that is healing, when we see food as medicine, it changes how our body, our mind, and our spirit, how our entire system actually receives the food. It's really making this shift from consumption to nourishment and healing. And so when we want to think about food as medicine, we need to think about why we're eating the food, why we're eating the food and shift how we're thinking about it. If we're always thinking about, I'm eating this food or not eating this food because I need to lose weight or I need to deal with this symptom or that symptom, we're really having a very consumption perspective of food, worrying about the biochemistry and the chemistry of food. Instead, if we shift our perspective to the idea that food is healing, that food is medicine, that it's nourishing, it changes everything. So why we're eating food, our relationship to food is the most important factor to first consider. And one note on this, you know, I know for myself that even though I intellectually understood this idea that food is medicine, I was still very focused on the composition of the food as medicine. And so it's almost like I was somewhere between these two perspectives. It wasn't until I really started to shift into the Ayurvedic perspective of food really being medicine and not worrying so much about the composition of the food, the biochemistry of the food, that things really started to change for me with my relationship to food. So that's just one thing to think about as well. Now, the second factor in the principle of Ayurvedic eating is the where, where we're eating. And this is really important as well. In Ayurveda, we say that it's really important to sit down at a table and sit down for 30 minutes and have a meal. So that means that we're not walking, we're not talking, we're not driving while we're eating. It means that we're not looking at a computer, not looking at a phone or reading a book, right? All of us have done this. I'm just as guilty. But the idea here is to make the act of eating, of having a meal, the central focus. 
So making it into an experience, sitting down at the table, is really important. Now, when we're talking about where, it's also important to think about our senses, right? Because we actually start eating with our eyes. And so the act of eating includes all five of our senses. And this is why sitting down and setting the table with a nice napkin, a placemat, some flowers, maybe a candle... It's really creating a soothing and pleasant and pleasurable environment that is exciting and inviting to all five of the senses. It changes how our body receives the food. So it's really important to remember that all five of our senses are very important when you're talking about where you're eating and that you actually start eating with your eyes. Let's move on to the next two factors, which are when and how much to eat. Now, these two factors are linked, and the easiest way to think about these is to think about the path of the sun through the sky, because our digestion, our digestive fire, is actually the key thing to think about when we're talking about when and how much to eat. When the sun is at the highest point in the sky in the middle of the day, that's when our digestive fire is also the highest. So that's when we want to eat our largest and most difficult to digest meal. On the other hand, in the morning and in the evening, that's the time when the sun is just waking up and rising or it's just setting and getting ready to sleep. And during those times in the morning and the evening, The heat of the sun is less. It's not so high. In the same way, our digestive fire is not as strong in the morning and the evening. And so it's really important to make sure that the food that we eat in the morning and the evening is lighter, smaller, and easier to digest. Another note here is that if you eat any kind of protein, animal or vegetarian proteins, It's best to eat those in the middle of the day at lunch, because again, your digestive fire is at its highest. In addition, if you're having any kind of raw vegetables, those are also very difficult to digest. So again, try having those in the middle of the day at lunchtime. For breakfast and dinner, because your digestive fire is lower and not as strong, make those meals easier to digest. I always say that if something has already been broken down by an external fire, your internal digestive fire doesn't need to work as hard. So cooked foods, blended foods, those are things that are easier for your digestion. And those are great picks for breakfast and dinner. Now, as far as the exact timing for each of your meals, Breakfast can be anywhere from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m., lunch anywhere from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., and ideally, dinner should be before 7 p.m. if possible. Now, remember, these are just guidelines, approximate times, so don't make them rigid rules, but try and follow this rhythm on a daily basis. And finally, the last factor what we eat. It's the thing that everyone always wants to know and is literally the first question I get at pretty much every lecture and every workshop that I do, which is, 
Dr. Kumar Singh, what should I be eating? Can you give me a list? And so let's talk about what, but I want to point out that I actually talked about this factor last for a reason, because the other factors of why, where, when, and how much are so much more important, because you can be eating, quote, all the right foods, and you'll still not be feeling better. I can't tell you how many people will come to me and say, Dr. Kumar saying, I'm eating this food, I'm eating that food, I'm not eating this food, I'm not eating that food, I've eliminated X, Y, and Z from my diet, and I still don't feel well. And the reason that they don't feel well is because they haven't thought about these other factors, which are more important, the why, the where, the when, and the how much. But let's talk about what. Now, the most important thing when you're thinking about what is the idea of seasonal eating. Mother Nature is so much more intelligent than we are, and so it always knows what to provide at what time of the year. So if we eat seasonally, we're actually going to be much better off than if we try and figure out what to eat when. Now, in our modern society, we can have anything any time of the year because we can have it flown in from any part of the world. So we can be eating mangoes in the middle of winter. But that's not what we're supposed to be doing. Mangoes are not provided by nature in winter, except for the most tropical areas where, okay, that's a good thing to eat in the winter. But in most climates, in most places, Mangoes are not supposed to be eaten in the winter. Just think about it. Mother Nature knows exactly what to provide when. In the summer, when it's much hotter outside, Mother Nature provides fruits and vegetables that are higher in water content, higher in sugar content. That's to help us stay hydrated and cool. In the winter, Mother Nature provides many more root vegetables, things that are heavier, more fatty. And that's because, again, in the winter, we need to stay warmer. And those types of foods help to preserve heat within our systems. So as you can see, those are two small examples. But nature knows what to provide when. It's so much more intelligent than we are. And here's a little tip. If you're not sure what's in season locally, when you go to the grocery store, look around and see what's cheapest in the produce section. The fruits and vegetables that are in season are usually the cheapest. So for an example, strawberries are a lot cheaper in the summer than they are in the winter. And there's a reason for that. They're in season in the summer and not in season in the winter. So that's just a little pro tip for you. The second thing I'd like to talk about when we're thinking about what to eat is to consider your past, to consider your history and where you came from. Think about what your mother and your grandmother and your great-grandmother made at different times of the year. What were the traditional recipes in your family? What did they make in the summer? What did they make in the winter? There are reasons that they made those things at different times of the year because they were cooking based on what was available seasonally. So there's a lot of information in your history, in your past. In addition, ask people who are older in the older generations of your family, 
what kind of remedies they used because a lot of the spices and foods that were available, they actually used those to make healing remedies, teas and tonics, pastes, all kinds of things that were used for common ailments. So again, look to your past, look to your history. There's lots of valuable information there. And the last thing that I'd like to talk about when we're thinking about what is to think about the qualities, the feelings, and the experience of food. We've already touched upon this, but let's talk about it a little bit more. There are three ways that we experience food, right? There's the way that food feels, the way that food tastes, and the way that food acts. The first is the way that food feels. In Ayurveda, there are 20 qualities that we use to describe all things in nature and all foods. It's this idea of how would you describe the food before you eat it? It's something that you can sense even before you put it into your mouth. Is it heavy or is it light? Is it cold or is it hot? Is it smooth or is it rough? right? These are all qualities, all feelings that we know how to describe. So that's the first way that we experience food. The second way that we experience food is how does the food taste? And in Ayurveda, there are six tastes that we talk about, sweet, sour, salty, bitter, pungent, and astringent. Now, each of these tastes actually cultivate the different qualities of the five elements in nature. And so the taste of food is another way that we experience food. And the third way that we experience food is the way that food acts. Is it heating or is it cooling? Right? It's the energy that we're talking about here, the energy of the food and what it releases. It can either be heating or cooling. So the principle of Ayurvedic eating, once again, is that what you eat matters, but why, where, when, and how much you eat matters so much more. Just as in previous episodes, I'd like to offer a new practice for your consideration. Today, I'd like to talk about the idea of using spices as medicine. Spices not only give food good flavor, but they also have tremendous medicinal effects. This means that you can literally turn your spice cabinet into a medicine cabinet and harness the healing properties of dozens of common spices. You probably have many healing spices in your kitchen already, but three of my favorites that I use daily in my kitchen are ginger, turmeric, and cumin. Ginger is known as the universal medicine that benefits pretty much everyone and helps with most symptoms. It's really good for colds and phlegm. It's anti-inflammatory and used for arthritis. It warms the digestive system and increases your internal digestive fire. And it's also used for nausea, morning sickness, travel sickness, post-op, and also for gas and bloating. 
Turmeric has gotten a lot of love and a lot of attention in the past few years. It's probably most well known for its anti-inflammatory effects, and it's most commonly used for inflammatory conditions such as dermatitis, eczema, psoriasis, colitis, asthma, rheumatoid arthritis, and osteoarthritis. An important note when using turmeric is to make sure that you combine it with black pepper because black pepper will increase its absorption and bioavailability in the body. And finally, cumin. Cumin is a great addition to any spice mix because it aids with digestion. It's really the best spice for a sluggish or slow digestion. It increases the absorption of other nutrients. It relieves cough and congestion. And so this is an all-around super spice that I love to use daily in my kitchen. A few really quick guidelines about using spices. Dried spices can be used earlier in the cooking process, while fresh spices should be used near the end to preserve flavor and aroma. If you're using dried spices, it's always best to grind them yourself right before you're using them to preserve freshness. As a general rule, ground dried spices will last a few months, and whole dried spices will last up to a year if stored in airtight containers away from heat and moisture. So remember, spices are medicine, and you probably have so many in your kitchen right now that you can use for their medicinal properties. I hope that you'll consider turning your spice cabinet into a medicine cabinet. And so to review what we've talked about in this episode is the principle of Ayurvedic eating. And the most important things to think about is that food is medicine. When you start to think about food as healing, as nourishment, you shift your perspective and you really change and shift the way that food is received by your system. The Western perspective of nutrition is very focused on quantitative measurements versus the Ayurvedic perspective, which is focused on the qualitative experience of food, the way that we experience and feel when we're eating our food. And finally, remember that the principle of Ayurvedic eating says that what you eat matters. It really does. But why, where, when, and how much matters so much more. I hope that what we've talked about today will help to shift your perspective about food and shift your perspective that food is truly medicine. Thanks so much for being with me for this episode of the Healing Catalyst podcast. Until next time, be well. If you love this podcast, and I so hope you did, please subscribe. That way, you'll get real-time updates anytime I post a new episode. And if you're feeling really inspired, please leave a review so that others can find this podcast more easily. If you want to learn more, visit me on the interwebs at avantikumarsingh.com and you can subscribe to my newsletter where I send exclusive invites to my events, 
special announcements, and give you more self-healing tools and tips. And if you want to hang out even more with me, I spend most of my time on Instagram. You can find me at Avanti Kumar Singh, and we can connect more there. Until next time, remember, with the right catalyst, you have the power to activate your own healing, because healing starts within. This episode was produced by Dante32.